We're uh, winding down our series in 1 John. Uh, We'll finish up uh, John's epistle uh, by the end of uh, this month. We come to a section, chapter 3, verses 11 through 18 this morning, uh, where John uh, paints a beautiful picture, a somewhat difficult picture even, of uh, the reality of love um, as expressed and as given to us uh, through uh, the Scriptures. Uh, If you would, and if you're able, would you please uh, stand uh, as we read God's Word together. First John chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as you have done throughout the ages, would you be so kind as to write your truths on our heart this morning? As David said, we confess to you all too often that heart is motivated and turned toward ourselves. And we ask this morning that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would shift the focus and shift the attention and shift the motivation of our hearts toward you. Father, we ask through your word, through the consideration of your word, through our prayers, through our singing, that you would actually be able to that you would enable us to see Jesus high and lifted up. That you would enable us to see the Advocate who sits at your right hand interceding for our behalf. And Father, would you do what only you can do through your Spirit to encourage us and to enliven us and to uh, spurn us towards Christ's righteousness. Father, we need help with that. Would you do that this morning? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start with a question uh, this morning. How would you define love? 
If I asked you to take a, a pen and your bulletin and just scratch together uh, maybe some adjectives or maybe a brief definition, uh, how would, what would you write on your bulletin this morning? How would you uh, define love? Interesting question, especially in our cultural context and in our uh, society today, it seems as though love has lost its objectivity uh, and has been replaced with subjectivity. Uh, the definer of love has become the individual, and the definition most often is subjectively oriented rather than objectively oriented. Maybe another way to say this is uh, the direction and the focus and the motivation of love is all too often about me, is it not? Uh, therefore, my subjective understanding and definition of love determines how I love you. Is that the way it was meant to be? Is that the way, is that the definition uh, that we uh, are to believe and practice uh, in regards to love? If it is, pretty soon, I think what we'll find is that uh, there really is no true definition of love. Uh, the definition of love has become watered down. There's all sorts of ways we can see this. Uh, you know, years ago, there was a, a really great book that came out uh, called The Four Love Languages. You guys remember that? Um, a beautiful book. Uh, point, the purpose was to help us uh, be aware of maybe some of the ways that we feel most love. But you don't have to go too far down that road before those means of love become idolatrous requirements. You ever thought about it that way? This is the only way I feel loved, and this is the only way you can love me. You see, that becomes uh, problematic. Uh, maybe another example, love uh, defined by its antithesis in our culture and in our society today. Uh, love is defined by hatred and judgment, and so it renders a definition that looks like acceptance. Is that what love is? Acceptance? Just accepting um, subjectivity? What about uh, maybe the more popular, maybe the newest definition of love uh, that actually repeats itself. Love is love. Uh, surely you've heard that one. Love is love, which is to say that I get to determine how I want to express romantic love with whom I want to express romantic love. You can see um, who determines the boundary markers for uh, those expressions of love. Some things seemingly are more acceptable than others. And is romantic love the only type of love? Pretty soon what you see, we could go through example after example after example. Pretty soon what you begin to see is that love begins to look and taste like pond water. Right? Nothingness. Just relative stagnancy. It's not the cool, beautiful, refreshing mountain stream, and it's not the bitter and sticky and salty ocean water. It's just become nothing. Love has just become nothing. Well, the question we want to ask this morning, and I think the question that John puts before us is, what does the Bible say about love? 
What does the Bible say about uh, love? What is love? What is its object? And what is its nature? I think those are two things that John uh, would have us consider this morning. Love's object and uh, love's nature. Look at verses 11 through 15 with me. John says, uh, there's, a truth, uh, there, there's a truth here that's as old as let there be light. Love is always and always has been oriented toward another. Uh, if, you, if you look throughout the pages of Scripture, it's the very essence of the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Beautiful and perfect love for one another, always about the other. If you look in Scripture, love is always defined as being about the other. And out of that love the Trinity had for uh, themselves, they ordered their love to be shared with a creation, uh, a beautiful creation, um, the Trinity, the world, Man and woman made in the very image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't get too far into this lovely created order, and you know this to be true, before we see the compromise and the redirection of love, right? John mentions it here in our passage. And I don't know about you, but one of my biggest struggles in life is uh, the awareness of and the fight against Satan's oldest tactic of temptation. You know what I'm referring to, right? Satan's, the, the, the tactic that he's always used and he always uh, will use is the very essence of temptation, the heart and soul of sin crouching at the door uh, waiting to uh, consume you and me. The summation of Satan's whole ploy and scheme is what? If I can just get them to think about themselves. If I can just get them to focus on themselves. Think about it. Think about it with me. Think about the garden. Think about all throughout the history. Think about yourself. I know God says this but what do you say? I know God says this, but what do you think? What do you need? What's best for you even better? I know God says this, but what do you deserve? Maybe that's the one that trips us up the most. It's a tactic that's almost as old as dirt itself. It's worked throughout all the ages until Satan tried it on Jesus. And then it didn't work anymore, did it? When Satan tried to tempt Jesus, what was Jesus' response? The other. It's not about me, Satan. It's about my Father, and it's about His Word. You see the picture of love even in the midst of temptation. It's about the other. And so John says, when love is deconstructed from its created purpose and order, it becomes self-oriented. Look at verses 12 through 15 with me. Uh, this is the most horrific and yet most celebrated truth in our society uh, today. It's a summary of Cain's life. 
And it's this. If you don't love me and accept me on my terms, I'll kill you. You see it everywhere. You don't have to look outside the walls of this church. If you don't love me and you don't accept me, I'll kill you. Which is exactly what played out in the first family of God's creation. Cain killed Abel because he hated God's love and acceptance. Abel's offering was a sacrifice that cost him much. Cain's offering didn't cost him anything. Hardly at all. Abel communicated love and relationship and devotion at the highest cost. Cain communicated what? Self-interest and self-preservation and self-consumption. And so when Cain killed his brother, he was really attempting to kill God. And every ounce of others-oriented love that God had created... The deconstruction of love escalates pretty quickly, doesn't it? We don't even get out of Genesis chapter 4. We went from love God to love self to kill anything that stands in the way of loving self. You know what the hard truth is for you and I today? Is that it's escalated even more than that. It's escalated uh, even more. I was sharing uh, with our communicants, which I, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll make sure to be here uh, on uh, the 15th of this month. We're going to have a beautiful service um, where a bunch of our children are going to join the church and some even be baptized as well. Uh, it's, they're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. It's going to be uh, beautiful. I hope you'll make sure uh, to be here. But I was sharing with some of them the other night Uh, about some of my own struggles with loving others. Uh, You want to know how bad it's gotten. Well, uh, what appears to be love on the outside is actually uh, hatred and murder on the inside. You ever see that in your life? What appears to be love on the outside is actually hatred and murder on the inside. Uh, The Scott family uh, has a rule uh, that the person who cooks doesn't have to clean. I don't know if any of your families uh, do that. Uh, most often is the case. Kelly uh, cooks uh, wonderful meals for us, and our rule in our family uh, is that she... Now, I see some wives looking at some husbands. Don't do that. That's not... <laughs> this is not thus saith the Lord. This is, this is what we do, okay? Um, what a loving rule, right? What a loving rule. I started that rule early in our marriage because uh, I, I, I realized I learned a terrible counterfeit love. It's this. If I appear to sacrifice and serve, then I get. If I appear to sacrifice and serve then I'll use that as a means to get. What's the object of that love? Me. You see the danger there? 
What appears to be love on the outside is actually what? Hatred and murder as John defines it on uh, the inside. It becomes such a problem, it's escalated seemingly out of control into the deepest recesses of our hearts, so much so that we can actually fake love all the while murdering. That is a harsh a reality, and so John brings us to the end of uh, John brings us to the end of the object of love in verses fourteen and fifteen when he says, "Look, oil and water don't mix. Oil and water don't mix. Love and death they don't mix. Murder and eternal life they can't exist together. It's not what was created. It's not who we were created to be, and it's certainly not how we were meant to live and relate. When love's object, God and others, becomes directionally challenged and shifted to self, love loses its purpose and it loses its meaning and it loses its expression. And so you see the origin of love, you see the original expression of love, and you see its deconstruction. But John doesn't leave us there, thank goodness. Uh, He shows us love renewed and love reconstituted, uh, if you will. Uh, Look at verse, verse 16. You begin to see the new nature of love, the the renewed nature of love. And I hope uh, that you'll see this uh, with me, that not only does John define the essence of true love for us, but he shows us how Jesus resuscitates love and restores it to its created order. John says this is how you can define love and know uh, true love in verse 16 through sacrifice for another's good. That's what he defines uh, love as. And uh, goodness, I, I, I know we've heard this uh, so many times, but I hope that it doesn't become uh, redundant uh, to you. I hope that it doesn't become old. Jesus' life here on this earth was always focused where? Not on Himself. Jesus never, even in Jesus' most human of human states, in the garden, before He was to be crucified, what was His prayer to His Father? Lord, Father, if there's any way You can make this cup to pass from Me, please, but not My will, but Yours. You see that? Jesus perfectly resuscitated the very nature of love being others oriented and then he laid down his life that perfection in sacrifice to pay for our dead murderous self-oriented love so that when we are born again here's the beautiful aspect when we are born again when new life in Christ by faith comes to us we now are free to experience and share that love that Jesus has given to us. What's Sean's point? You've been sacrificially loved in a way that you can never earn and in a way that you can never repay. Go then and love others likewise. Go love others likewise. I hope you'll consider with me this morning that you could search the world over 
through whatever means uh, necessary, and you will never find a love that is greater than saving you from that which you can't save yourself. We're not willing to do that for each other. You're not willing to do that for your family. You think you will, but when push comes to shove, you, I mean, you'll at least ask the question. And not only does that love, not only is it so great that it saves you from that which you can't save yourself, it welcomes you into a family for eternity where you were never welcome before. That doesn't happen here on this earth either, hardly. And if that weren't enough, you're encouraged and you're entitled to welcome others into this same love of purpose and joy and meaning and forgiveness and sacrifice and family and celebration. That's overwhelming. Let me just address quickly a question that may arise for some of you. Uh, Chad, are, are you saying that the Scriptures teach that we're not to love ourselves at all? That's a pretty prevailing thought uh, in our society today that oftentimes self-love uh, is, is more important than others-oriented uh, love. And I want you to hear me say clearly, absolutely not. You're created in the image of God. You're redeemed by the blood, uh, by the life of Jesus Himself. And you're being made new by the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot to love. There is a lot to love. However, you don't have to generate your own system and structure of self-love. Because it's given to you freely by a Heavenly Father who loves you so much that He'd sacrifice His very Son on your behalf so that you could know His love and so that you could see His love and so that you could feel His love because now in Christ, you are now sons and daughters of the Most High God. You can't experience a greater measure of love anywhere else. And so... Uh, John said that Jesus resuscitates the nature of life, love by showing us that it's sacrificial. So how is it that we are to express uh, that same love? What is love's mouthpiece, if you will? And John says you can be confident that Jesus is at work in your life if you do sacrifice not just talk about it. If you do sacrifice and not just talk about it. I thought about doing this this morning, but it would be, well, there's just no telling how you might respond. But I thought about, you know, what if I were to bring like a, what if I were to bring like a, uh, something to the equivalent of like a huge basin or like a trough type thing in here this morning and fill it full of water. And I stand down here and say, all right, one by one, I want you to get up out of your seat, so when you come down here, you take your shoes off, and I'm going to wash your feet. Now, 
Most of you probably have clean feet this morning, and you didn't walk through a desert to get here. But I want you to imagine what Jesus did that night before he, he was betrayed. He basically undressed himself and knelt down before the people that he loved so dearly. And he washed their stinking, nasty feet. To what end? To be able to say to them, I love you so much that I want you to be clean. And this is the first example of an even greater example that I'm about to perform where you will be ultimately clean. You want to talk about sacrifice. When we think about sacrifice, certainly we think about the cross. But what we forget is that Jesus was modeling that throughout the entirety of His life. An even greater sacrifice that will render us completely clean. John says in his Gospel, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. There may be no greater joy than sacrificing your time for someone in need. Especially when you don't think you have the time to sacrifice. I was faced with that reality this week. It's interesting how the Lord does that. You know, you prepare to preach these sermons, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the thing which you're preaching is like right in your face. You can't ignore it, right? There may be no greater joy than sacrificing your time for someone who needs your time, and you think you don't have that time to sacrifice. That's when Jesus uses those opportunities to draw us near to Himself so that we're for, forced to depend on Him. There may be no greater joy than you sacrificing your money to the church, to God's mission, uh, to those in need, especially when you don't think you have any extra to sacrifice. Because Jesus uses those opportunities to remind us of His storehouses of mercy that are always full. Maybe, maybe a little more applicable, maybe a little closer to home. Please understand I don't intend to be offensive. I'm just trying to apply God's Word in the best way that I can. In today's world, maybe, there, maybe there's no greater sacrifice than holding your tongue and responding in a way which you don't want to respond to those who want to tell you that which you don't want to hear. There's so many ways this happens uh, for us today. You know, others, others just, they, we just have to tell each other about our political opinions, don't we? We just have to. We have to tell each other about our political opinions. We have to tell each other about the epidemiology degrees that we all have. Right? And so often is the case with me, my sinful self is like, I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> and yet the reality of sacrificial love for another is that maybe we hold our tongues. 
And maybe we respond the way we don't normally respond because someone needs to be heard. And someone's hurting. And someone doesn't know where to turn and where to go with that hurt. Students, I've got one for you this morning. You're about to start back to school. You're about to start back to school. There may be no greater joy than sacrificing your reputation amongst your friends and classmates. Or for you younger children, there may be no greater joy than sharing with your friends, sacrificing your playtime with the toy for another so that that classmate feels valued and feels seen and feels cared for and feels loved. Here's the reality. The King of Heaven left His throne room to come to this earth to show you you're worth more than anything He could ever imagine. You're that valuable. You see, true love's object is always another, and its nature is always sacrificial. Uh, Let's pray and ask that the Lord would help us to live into this. Father, You know uh, certainly uh, better than any other that this rubs against uh, the very fabric and the very nature and the very tune of our heart. It's, Father, we, we take the time to just confess to You this morning. It's so hard to think outside of ourselves. In relationship to You and in relationship to others. It's It's not the way we were wired, but it certainly feels the way we're wired. Holy Spirit, would you would you teach us that love was always meant to be vertical toward our Father in heaven and toward our friend and our neighbor horizontally? Would you teach us that that nature of love has very little to do with ourselves, but has everything to do with how we can sacrifice? And Father, would you teach us, this is so counterintuitive, but would you teach us that it's in that place that we can find real joy? We can find real celebration in loving another through sacrificing ourself. That's certainly what you did, King Jesus. And it brought you great joy to give up your life for us. Would you teach us, Lord, and help us to live into that? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.